Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the executive leads on staff, and we are so glad that you're joining us on site and also online as well. Hey, we are starting a brand new series today called Google and God. And I'm curious, by a raise of hands, how many of you have Googled something in the last 24 hours? Raise them. Yeah, don't be shy. Come on. There's a lot of people that do that, right? Uh, hey, how many of you have Googled something this morning? So raise your hands if you've Googled something this morning. Yeah, yeah. Don't be shy. That's okay. You can Google stuff like that. Isn't it interesting how many times that we search something on Google uh, these days? And then also, um, you know, we kind of Google all sorts of things. Uh, many of us use it to try to find something that we're trying to buy. Uh, many of us trying to find something that, uh, to learn how to fix it. Uh, many of us are looking up some research. Uh, but don't everything that we kind of look at uh, boils down to that we're trying to find the answers Right? Yeah, we're trying to find the answer. So here's some interesting facts that you may not know about Google, but here's some that I found. So number one, Google is the most visited website. Did you know that? Like in the world. And so at least when this article was written this year. Number two, Google dominates the search engine market at 91.9%. And number three, there are 8.5 billion searches per day on Google. And number four, 63% of Google searches in the US come from mobile devices. And number five, 84% of Google searchers use Google three times a day or more. Some of you are already at your limit, but you're going on. So anyways, uh, that's a lot of Googling, right? <laughs> that's a lot of people looking for a lot of answers. And it's good to be Google, isn't it? So, Well, let me tell you about a Google search story that uh, just happened to me recently. Uh, last month, um, my daughter was using our desk in Sarah and I's room uh, as she was working on a project late at night, and uh, she kept hearing this meow noise coming from outside our window. And she's like, and it was happening like every 20 or 30 minutes, and it was just like meow, you know? And uh, so she's like, Dad, there's a cat outside, and it's starting to rain. And so I go out there because I love cats. No, that's not true. Um, <clears throat> sorry if you're a cat lover. And I'm ready to like take this thing on. You know, I've got my flashlight and everything. And so I'm looking before I turn it on. I don't see anything. I'm going, all right, let me turn the spotlight on. And I'm looking in the yard and everything going, shoo, get out of here. Go, go, you know, and uh, because I'm protecting my daughter, you know. And so... <clears throat> So I go back inside and everybody goes to bed and Sarah and I go to bed. Well, about 2 a.m., all of a sudden we hear meow. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's back and it's raining. We go, we fall back to sleep, Sarah and I. And all of a sudden, about three something, meow. And it's like, <laughs> and then four something, meow. And I'm like, I can't believe this crazy cat. Like, is it up on the windowsill or something? Because it is pouring down rain. Sarah's like, is it up on the roof? I'm like, Surely it's not on the roof, you know? And it's pouring at this place at that time. It was when we had like the six days of rain, you know? And so, so the next morning, um, I was like super tired. It was good like I had a work day off-site that day at a library. And so I go to this library and uh, I go to use the restroom. And as I'm using the restroom, somebody's like exiting and I hear them exiting the door. And right before the door sh sh closes, I hear what sounds like either help or meow. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then I'm like, was that a cat or was that a person? And like 30 seconds later, 
security comes by and goes, security check. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm okay. What is going on out there? And so I go out and I kind of just peek around the corner. I'm like, still thinking, am I hearing noises? Is that a cat? What, what, what's going on? Like, I know I didn't get a lot of sleep. And so then I go to like my favorite place um, in the library and I'm sitting next to this window and it's raining outside and I put my earbuds in. I'm working for about three hours. I take them out and all of a sudden I hear, meow. I'm like, oh my goodness, is there a cat outside and it's raining here too? I'm like, or am I hearing voices at this point, you know? And so about 20 minutes go by and I hear, meow, you know? And fortunately, there's this older lady near me at this point, and she goes, what was that? Was that help or a meow? And I'm like, I'm glad you heard it, because like last night, there's a cat outside our window, and now there's a cat outside this window too, you know? And so um, I put my earbuds back in, no noises, okay? So over the weekend, no noises. Monday morning, I go to work, okay? I'm sitting at my computer, and all of a sudden, I hear meow, I'm like... I look out the window. I'm like, what's the chances of like three different places, three different cats at this point, you know? And then all of a sudden I thought to myself, wait a second, could that be a bird? You know? So I turn to my computer, my computer and I say, is there a bird, I'm typing this in, that sounds like a cat in Florida? <laughs> yeah, you laugh now, but guess what? There is. It's called the gray cat bird. I kid you not. So I'm reading like these 10 facts about gray cat birds on the Audubon Society, legitimate website. And fact number three, is that a cat in those bushes? Not so fast. Gray cat birds get their common name from their distinctive meowing call, which can sound like a cat's meow to some ears. And I click on the audio and sure enough, I hear meow. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, that explains it, right? And I read all these facts about it. You know, uh, it's in the mockingbird family or that family, the same family. They, they can replicate a hundred different noises and they migrate at this time of year through Florida. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Well, at least we found out the answer here. I thought I was going crazy, you know? And so I had like a meeting or either a baseball game that night and um, I get home finally and I talk to Sarah. I show her the website. I show her the sound and she's like, oh my goodness, that's just crazy. And so we go to bed, okay? And at 4.17 a.m., I won't forget this, okay? We hear meow. And I'm like, that bird is back. I'm like, is it trying to nest early or something up in our gutters or something? And so um, I couldn't go back to sleep. Every 20 minutes, I'm hearing meow, meow. I'm like, oh, my. So I get up that morning, and we're all eating breakfast, and it's like a homeschool lesson because we tell the kids what's going on, and we're, like, showing the website and everything like that. And uh, I said to the boys, I said, boys, do me a favor. I think this thing's, like, trying to nest early. Would you clean out the gutters today while I'm at work? And they're like, yeah, Dad, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it and everything. So I go to work and I start telling the, some of the staff members like what's been going on like for several days now. And they're like, oh my goodness. I'm like, have you ever heard of the great cat bird? And so I'm showing the website and playing the you know, audio and everything. And they're like, that's crazy. Well, you know, and then somebody mentions like, hey, Trent's been hearing cat noises too outside of his window. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I was about to go see him anyway, so I'm going to help him out and identify what that cat noise is because we're kind of like on the same part of the building. So I go in there, explain it and everything. He's like, that's interesting. I have seen some cats out there though. And I'm like, well, either way, we, we, we got a cat bird too, you know? And so all of a sudden I go back to my office and I get a knock on my door and there's several staff members. 
And they go, hey, Tim, that meow sound, it's not coming from a bird. It's coming from your bag. And here's what's making those noises. Yes, <laughs> kid you not, they had put this device in my bag, and during the week, sometimes it's next to the window in our bedroom because when I'm working on some stuff, but in the weekend, I put the bag in my closet so I don't see it, and that bag was also in the restroom when I heard it echoing off the walls, and it sounds like this. Yeah, that's what I kept hearing over and over again and again for five days and not getting any sleep. So I just busted out laughing because I mean, at this point I'm like, okay, I'm not going crazy, great, you know, and finally we can get some sleep and Sarah will be able to get some sleep too. And so now here's the moral of the story, okay? More of the story is this, like, hey, just because you Google something and you find the right answer doesn't always match your experiences, okay? Then the other one is this. If you come to the Epic offices, just be careful. You might be taking a cat home with you as well. So anyways, uh, isn't that like something, you know, how often we Google something, we, find, we think we find the right answers and stuff, and then it doesn't turn out to be that way? Well, um, we do that with God, don't we? You know, some of us have Googled stuff on Google about God. Um, we've asked questions like, who is God? Who is Jesus? You know, does he really care? Um, is science and God, like, compatible? Does it make sense together and everything? And so those are great questions. Those are questions that deserve answers. And so in this series, Google and God, we're going to be looking at some of the common questions that we have about God, about Jesus, about how he relates to us. And so today we're gonna to focus on the question of who is God? Uh, that's a very important question and it's a great question. It's sometimes a very confusing question for some people because there's so much stuff out there that is confusing. Um, but we are going to be checking that out. And if you are not a Christ follower and someone has invited you to check out this series, I think this is an amazing series for you to be here. And what might surprise you is that God invites us. He invites us to ask our questions, to ask him and tell us about his doubts. Uh, because he really wants us to understand exactly who he is. And so today we're going to jump into uh, the scriptures. We're going to turn to Matthew 4.23 in your Bibles or your smartphone devices. Uh, if you don't have one, always feel free to grab a Bible from the back as our free gift to you. And then uh, also I want to encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. It's an amazing tool that will help you to understand Scripture, uh, to be able to read Scripture, listen to it as well. Uh, and so it's just a great tool for you um, on every day. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 4.23. I'll give you a moment there. But also kind of like Mark John 20. We're going to camp out a lot in John 20. I'm going to be like jumping around at the beginning here, but eventually we're going to uh, wind up in John 20. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 4.23, and I'll give you a moment to get there. All right, before we dive in, um, let me pause and let's chew on a few things, okay? <clears throat> so if you are God, like, how do you make yourself known to people, okay? I mean, we've all kind of exhausted Google searches. We know that they can only take us so far. It's kind of like we need evidence, right? Like, we need to see, like, God in the flesh. Like, we need to personally interact with God himself. 
Well, God knew that, and so he sent Jesus. And when people interacted with Jesus, there were many people who had such amazing interactions with Jesus who eventually like described their interactions and the disciples kind of gathered up some of the material, they investigated, they wanted to pass along what they had learned and what they had experienced to others uh, as well. And so that's how we get the four gospel accounts uh, of Jesus's life. And when people saw Jesus, And the way that he acted, they saw that his words matched his actions, which like spoke volumes to them. And it helped them with their doubts and their questions about who God is. And then there's also this one individual, and he's a lot like many of us. Um, He's a person who needs to see it before he can what? Believe it. Yeah, right? There's a lot of us in the room who are like that and wired like that. So let's check out who God is, okay, by looking at how Jesus made uh, that so clear for them, but also for us, and this one particular individual named Thomas as well. So beginning in Matthew 4.23, Jesus traveled throughout the region, and say these words with me there in bold, throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness, News about him spread as far as, there we go, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went, people from Galilee, the, from all over, and from the east of the That's awesome. I mean, this is amazing. Like, who can heal people? And word spread. When it says Syria, that's modern-day Syria. When it talks about Israel, Jerusalem, those are the same places that we see on the map today and everything. And so people came from everywhere. Friends, neighbors, uh, relatives were getting healed. And so this was just crazy. And I'm sure Thomas went out there because he's a guy who needs to see it to believe it. And he was out there, I'm sure. And because the reason this is crazy, for 400 years, God was silent. The Jewish people were waiting for the promised Messiah, that God in the flesh would come. That's what they believed. And so is this possibly the Messiah? Who is Jesus? He's doing all these things. So like Google searches were like off the charts on who Jesus is in that moment. Like if you like, who is Jesus? Where did he come from? Where was he born? You know? And so they are talking about all these different types of things because they, Jesus is doing the unbelievable. No one had ever healed like this before. So picking up in Mark 1.22, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So not only is like Jesus teaching or healing like no one had ever uh, healed, he's also teaching like no one had ever taught before. And so everywhere Jesus went, people were like texting their friends and saying, hey, he just left here and he's going over here. And large crowds would be there waiting to hear what Jesus was going to say. And so the religious leaders, they did not like that because by their estimations, they're going, you know what? Like all these people who are hanging out with Jesus, 
they're just a bunch of sinners. I mean, these guys are like so far from God, they will never have a right standing with God. And who is this Jesus who's going around and telling them that God the Father uh, wants everyone to know him, that everyone can come to know him? And yet Jesus is also saying, this irked them a bunch, like that he has authority that's been given to him by the Father. Like, who does he think he is? Does he think that he's God? So what does Jesus do? Well, he continues to reach out to those that the Jewish leaders, you know, never thought that God would associate with. And in Luke 6, 12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples because at this point, there's tons of people who are following Jesus and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew. Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus. Simon, who was called that, yeah, that zealot, that, that crazy guy who was like, all political. Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. So the religious leaders, they can't believe who Jesus chose. Like, wouldn't God like pick the best of the best, the cream of the crop? Instead, Jesus chooses these guys who are from all walks of life, fishermen, uh, Peter, who's everybody knows got anger issues, you know, uh, a, a political activist who couldn't stand the Romans, a guy like Thomas who was needing to see it to believe it, um, Judas, who is a liar and betrayer and a tax collector. Like, come on, really, Jesus? A tax collector? That's like rebel scum, you know? I mean, if you're a tax collector, you're not rebel scum, so don't worry about it. But <clears throat> like, who would take a risk on these guys, okay? So as the 12 disciples followed Jesus for three years, they continued to see him do things that only God could do. And so many people continue to believe that Jesus might just be the Messiah, God in the flesh. And the religious leaders, they continue to see Jesus doing all these things and they plot against Jesus multiple times. But then right before the end of three years, before Jesus' death, they see Jesus do the unbelievable. He does the unbelievable. He goes and he hears about his friend Lazarus who has died. And this guy is well known. Many people from Jerusalem uh, know Lazarus uh, in the town that was just beside Jerusalem. And he's dead. And they're mourning. And Jesus comes and he raises Lazarus back to life from the dead. Lazarus has been dead for four days. People saw this with their eyes, their very own eyes. And so a few weeks later when it's Passover in Jerusalem and all the people are coming to Jerusalem from all these different regions and they've heard about this news, it's been texted out to them and everything, they think that Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem and declare that he is the Messiah. That's what they were waiting for. But yet Jesus doesn't do that and it disappoints them. I mean, why isn't Jesus gonna help us? Why isn't he gonna rescue us from Rome at this point? And then Jesus gets into it with the Pharisees several times. And the religious leaders, they're done. Like they've had enough with Jesus. So at this point, it's like Thursday night and it's the Passover night. 
And Jesus takes his 12 disciples and huddles them up, and they're just going, what is going on? Like, at the beginning of the week, they are wanting to make him king, and at this point, they want to get rid of him. What is going on? And so Jesus says this, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, into heaven for a time. And the disciples, they can't believe that Jesus is going to leave them, like at the height of his popularity, even though Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection with them. Thomas is so broken by this news that he voices out his disbelief, probably what everybody was thinking in the room at that moment, because Thomas is very good at saying what he's thinking. And so he expresses his doubt and his failure to understand. And so Thomas wants to continue to not be separated from Jesus. He wants to remain with Jesus because he's been finding all his answers in Jesus. And it's meant so much to him. And so he says this very sincerely. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And with this sincere question that he asks, Jesus says like one of the greatest statements that he's ever said. Jesus said to Thomas, I am, which is the exact words that God revealed himself to Moses with and said, my name is I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So basically, Jesus is the way because he is God and he is human. And by uniting ourselves with Jesus, we are uniting ourselves with God. That's the way to the Father. And when we do that, we receive all the blessings of belonging to God. And if there's any doubt of like who Jesus is in this moment, Jesus makes it very clear on who he's claiming to be. Philip speaks up and says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time? Listen how personal that is and what Jesus is assuming in that statement. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So who is God? Well, we need to know that Jesus is. Jesus, part of the Trinity. So to know Jesus is to know God. All of our questions about God can be answered in Jesus. And so how can we be sure of that? Like, that's a fair question. How can we be sure that Jesus is God? Well, Thomas finds out in a very real and personal way. And so let's discover how Thomas finds this out. Because remember, Thomas is the seeing is believing type guy that many of us are, okay? So Jesus, he, the next day, is crucified, and he dies. And no one expected Messiahs to die. God doesn't die, okay? But then something extraordinary happens. Three days later, the tomb is empty. And these women go out, and they see that. And then reports start to happen that Jesus has come back to life from the dead. And everyone is confused of what's going on. 
And so the disciples, they're huddled up in this room. The door's locked because they are afraid. Like maybe the Romans might come after them. The Jewish leaders might come after them uh, because they might say, hey, uh, they stole the body or something. And so they're huddled up in this room. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. He's standing in front of them. He's alive. They saw him. But guess who's not in the room that day? Thomas. He's not there. He's not in the room. And so after Jesus leaves, they go to find Thomas. And listen to Thomas's response, picking up in John 20, 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin because he had a twin brother, was not, the other, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, you would think, like, after Thomas has been with Jesus for three years, that he would believe his buddies, but he doesn't, okay? Why was Thomas not there with them when Jesus came? Where was Thomas? Now, here's my hunch, okay? As we can tell, Thomas is kind of like all in or he's not. He's that type of guy, okay? And so when Jesus died, I believe that Thomas was devastated. He was devastated. And the reason for that is how could Jesus, who claimed to be God, die? And everything he experienced, that Thomas experienced, was that not real? What was that? And so Thomas responds with needing real physical proof, which I think was appropriate, okay? And he was so honest. He was so honest with his doubts, and he could voice his doubts out loud. And that is a great place to start. And it doesn't scare God about those things. And so for some of us, like, we struggle to get honest with our doubts, don't we? Like, we, we, we really don't like to make them public. You know, we'll write about them in posts and stuff. But we don't like to, like, really get honest with our doubts. It's kind of like the, the cat meows, you know, we just let them keep going and going and going and we live with it, right? <clears throat> and so this is what doubt's like, okay? Doubt is like standing on one foot, okay? And we have all the ability to take a step forward or to take a step backwards. And standing like this is really hard and it's really difficult. And yet we need to do something. We can't remain stuck. We can't survive like this. And so to take a step backwards, we know where that leads. Our doubts lead us to a place called isolation. And isolation is never, never a good thing. We just experienced that in COVID with doubts, right? So when we're in this moment of either needing to take a step forward or not, we think we have to go all in, but we don't. All we need to do is take a step forward with our doubts. And we say, God, here's my doubts about you. I'm not sure what's the right answer. But God, would you step in and help me in my doubts? That's what Thomas did. And here's how God responds. Check this out. This is so amazing. In verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. 
Could you imagine standing there and all of a sudden Jesus shows up? Now, he's not like a ghost or anything. He had a physical body. Uh, he laughs with them. Uh, he, he eats with them. They, they could see it. And he greets them in his familiar way because he wants them to recognize that he's the person that they've trusted for three years. And now watch how personal Jesus gets with Thomas, okay? This is such a powerful moment, okay? Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, believe. Now this must have spoken volumes to Thomas. Jesus repeats the same words that Thomas had said to the disciples in private, okay? Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Jesus knew exactly where Thomas need, what he needed in that moment. And he showed Thomas his scarred hands. And he showed Thomas his, uh, his wound in his side, the scar there. And he didn't want Thomas to remain in unbelief. He didn't want him standing there. He didn't want Thomas to be permanently stuck in his doubts. Now, this spoke volumes to Thomas. It spoke volumes to him. Watch how he responds. He declares to Jesus, my Lord and my God. In that moment, Thomas believes. He believes. And he voices belief in Jesus. He says, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my God. You are my Lord. I believe in you. It was amazing. Now, Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But listen to this, guys. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Without seeing me. Now, some of us might be saying, well, you know, it would have been easy to see Jesus for me to believe, right? But yet, there were many people who saw all the miracles of Jesus, who saw him healing, teaching like no one had ever taught before, and didn't believe. Here's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying that basically, we have everything we need to believe right in front of us. We have everything we need. There were so many eyewitnesses back then. There was Thomas who needed to see it, to believe it, like many of us. There were the disciples and all of their stories. There were over 500 people, people who saw Jesus die. They saw him come back to life from the dead. It was something that happened. It was an event. It would have stood up in the court of law with so many eyewitnesses. That's how we prove something. And so the reason Jesus did all of these things is because he wanted to show that when he died and came back to life from the dead, that he has power over sin and death and can forgive us of our sins because he came to erase any doubt of who God is. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. That's who God is. And so Jesus didn't want Thomas to remain in his doubt. He doesn't want us to remain in our doubts either. And so let our doubts rest in history. Let our doubts rest in something that happened 
with eyewitnesses who saw it because Jesus, God, the Father, wants to know that you matter to him. He came personally to die for you. He came personally back to life from the dead. He came because he wants to personally know us. That's who he is. He wants us to know the answers. So what do we do with that? You know, What do we do with the question of who is God? Well, here's what we need to do. For some of us, we need to take a step out of our doubts. We need to take a step into who God is. For some of you, you have a lot of questions, and this is what you need to do. Just get honest. Have a conversation. Have a conversation with Jesus and say, Jesus, here are my doubts. Just like he knew Thomas's questions and doubts, he knows yours, but we have to verbalize them to him. And so would you today, in a moment, would you just simply verbalize your doubts with God and say, hey, here are my doubts. Now, when he answers them, at some point, we should respond like Thomas. If you don't know who Jesus is and you're not a Christ follower, you should in that moment go, oh my goodness, he answered my prayers. He gave me the answers I was looking for. Jesus, would you be my Lord? Would you be my God? I believe you died on the cross just like so many people saw. You came back to life from the dead. Would you forgive me of my sins and be my God? Now, some of you, you're not there yet. You're checking out this whole God thing, and that's perfectly fine. But would you just start to get honest with your doubts? Would you today just simply say to God, like, God, here's my doubts about you. Would you answer them? And so he may not show up like physically, but he may show up in a real personal way at some point with you. And would you keep coming back to this series? Would you keep on asking the questions? Would you ask me the questions? Like say, hey, I need some help. Here's what I'm wrestling with. Talk to Trent, talk to Jake, talk to any of our staff members, talk to our care center as well. We would love to know what you're wrestling with and give you some resources to investigate, to investigate for yourselves. Now, some of you, you're, Christ, you're a Christ follower. And some of you are going through some very difficult things right now. And here's the temptation. The temptation is to retreat to isolate yourself, to come up with all these questions, all these doubts, to lose faith in that moment. Some of you are going through some very personal issues in your health. Some of you have lost someone that was dear to you recently. Some of you are watching someone and you can't believe what they're going through. You have a heavenly father who wants to hear from you. Would you speak to your heavenly father? Would you ask him for help and guidance and the solutions? He wants us to be in constant communication with him. Some of you are going through some anxiety, some worry, and in those moments, he wants to be involved in all of our activities, in all of our moments, in our moments of anxiety, in our moments of worry. And when we come upon those things, would you just simply talk to him and say, God, I need your help. I'm running to you like a strong tower. I need some answers. I need you to speak to me. Read your scripture. Read, continue to come to the series. When you hear music on the radio and it speaks to you, guess who is personally speaking to you? It's like, how did, how did that song just come up and I needed to hear those words in the moment? I needed to hear that answer. That's not by coincidence. That's God. 
And so would you, in your moments of doubt, take one step forward? Would you let God know what those are? Would you wait for him to respond? So here's how we're going to end today. We're going to have a moment of time of prayer where I'm going to be praying, and I'm going to kind of extend that for you to be able to pray within that prayer of just taking that step of where you need to take that step. If you're checking out this whole God thing, would you just voice to yourself, to God, like what you're going through? What's your questions? What's your doubts? Say, God, I'm going to take a risk. Would you help me to sort through this? For others of you, you're going through something tough. Would you just verbalize what you're going through and just say, God, I need the answers. I need a solution. I need you. Jesus, would you answer me? Would you guide me of where exactly that I'm at? And so let's go ahead and close in prayer. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and stand, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing this very powerful song that speaks into what we've been talking about today. So, Father, as we come to you, the question has always been, who are you? Many people have asked that question. Many people have Googled that question. And you didn't want to leave us in the dark. Thank you, Jesus, for coming here. We don't understand the Trinity. It doesn't make sense. Three persons, yet one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You don't shapeshift or anything like that. But we're so grateful for you. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us clarity of exactly who you are, that you're God, that you love us, that you came here to show us exactly who God is. We're so grateful that you proved that through an event. You came back to life from the dead and hundreds of people saw you. Thank you that our faith can rest in history not just a belief. But then we have to take a step and we have to trust you. And so today there's someone in the room who doesn't believe in you. And so in this moment, would they just cry out to you? Would they talk to you and say, hey, God, are you there? Here's what I'm struggling with. Here are my doubts. And would they voice them to you in this moment? And would they say, give me the answers in a way that I know it's from you. And then for others of us who are just in a season that's super tough, would we cry out to you now? Would we voice our questions, our emotions, our doubts? Would we then just say, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. You have been faithful before and you will be faithful now. And I trust you that in your timing, you will provide the right answers. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you are always present and always working because you are the Lord and you care about our details of our lives. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.